Happy Father's Day to the dads, I guess, and to our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. I just got back from a restful vacation. Thank you for allowing me to go. Had a great time uh, relaxing, refreshing, spending some time in nature, spending some time alone in the trailer, spending some time with my wife, spending some time with my daughter. I got to attend my dad's wedding. Um, we got a lot. We just did a lot in the last week, so it was a very nice getaway. And I'm back, and I'm ready to start a new series. Are you guys fired up? Yeah. I love it. Every week I come and I just see like one new face, and then I come back the next week and they're here again, and that's very encouraging when you're me. So it's 2023, right? Time's moving. It's 2023. We live in California, the Golden State. We're in the United States of America. We're blessed. We're free to serve the God we want without persecution yet. I assume everybody in this room has heard the word church. You're congregating in one today. We call this a building. Some people refer to it as a church. But the church is the body of believers. We make the church. We are the church. And uh, I assume most of the people in this room have heard the word God. Or it's your first time here ever. And that would be really cool. Um, I assume everybody in this room has heard the word creator. Yeah. How about the word Christian? Are you guys familiar with that word? Christian. What's a Christian. Follower of Christ. There's a Christian right there. And another one. Right? A follower of Jesus. A Christian. That's what the New Testament called the early believers. They were Christians. I assume you've all heard the word follower. You know, it's 2023, California, United States. Somebody's come to you giving you the gospel, right? They've done this. You've heard it. Right? How about the word believer? What is the word believer? You know what that word means? If you're here in this church, you attend church somewhere, I don't know, you believe or you hope to believe you have a faith in something that is unseen and we call you a believer. Amen? So I assume everybody here, I assume everybody here identifies with this list I've given. Right? And why do I assume that? I assume that because I assume that some or most of us here are educated in God's word in some way or another. Yes? Okay. By educated, I mean you have personally studied God's word at some point in your life. You've opened the Bible, you've read it alone, or you did it in a group setting, your, your phone app every day kicks you a Bible verse and tells you something cool about it. In some way, shape, or form, I assume everybody in this room has studied God's word. And in some way, they're educated in God's word. Yes? Okay. Some of us have been studying God's word since we were young and we're now old. We've been studying God's word a long time. I'm not going to point anybody out. I'm not. We know who we are. Our personal experience 
within the church, the body of Christ, the building, the believers, the temple, wherever you go, your personal experience with the church and your study, your personal studies, I believe has purposed some of us to live, breathe, speak, and act a certain way. Yeah? Otherwise, if you weren't living, breathing, speaking, and acting a certain way, you would probably choose to consider yourself that you're falling short of being the believer God wants you to be. You know? Man, I read God's word and he said to not do these 10 things and I'm just failing in that area. I'm not good to be a believer. I'm not good enough. And we live that. You know how many believers today live the, they still live under this Old Testament curse? They're doomed themselves. You know what it tells me? They don't live by the Spirit. Because the Spirit is going to set you free. When God's Spirit flows through you, you don't look at that stuff anymore. Right? My favorite statement from non-believers and believers, this is true, my favorite statement. And you call yourself a Christian. I love when people say that. I'm kidding. That's, the mo- that's like my pet peeve log, in the log plank in the ice statement. I can't stand when people say that. And you call yourself a Christian. Did you just hear what he said? Did you just see the way he cut him off? And his license plate says lifting pastor. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> Ask her. Ask her. I'll t- she'll tell you all about it. I don't want to go in your truck anywhere. Right? And you call yourself a Christian. You were doing 50 in a 35. You ran that red light at Franklin. Just, right, just like those trucks do. Hopefully no more. I don't have any more recently. We are constantly witnessing, constantly in this age, we are witnessing an ever-changing landscape of the church, the body of believers. See, when I was a kid, it was dress really nice, tuck in your shirt, play nice, smile, don't say the wrong thing, and make sure that you and your family look like you're of high godly standards to the rest of the families at church, right? Right? I loved living that way, man. I looked forward to every Sunday. It was the best. Yeah, right. And we wonder why our kids don't want to go to church. We wonder why our kids rebel. Because that's what we forced on them. Then I watched, and I've personally been part of the change. That's why I wore shorts today. I wore shorts today two reasons. Three reasons. One, they match my shoes, the silver. Two, it's hot. And three, I like to go against the grain. And you call yourself the pastor. He's up there in shorts today. I did it on purpose. I did all of it. Because I've been a part of this ever-changing, I've just been a part of this change where I want to be more human and less fake. 
I don't want to sit up here and pretend to be somebody I'm not. I want you to drive in my truck and know that the license plate says lifting pastor and I might not be the kindest person on the road. It's okay. It's not okay, but it's okay. I'm a human being just like you. I don't like fake people. I like real transparent people. That's what I want in this building. If you have your suit and tie on and you came in and told your kid to shut up before he got here, Go somewhere else. Woo! I'm kidding. Stay. We're going to work on you. Listen. I was like, wow, I got the wrong response there. Time to shift gears in the sales pitch here. So listen, there have been some Sundays where I felt that the look and the condescending vibe of, and he calls himself a Christian. I grew up with that, Right? Do you guys remember once a while back, probably last year, I pointed out to you that sometimes our definition, remember when I gave you guys the definition of evil? Your personal definition of evil. Let me refresh your memory. Evil is when someone who else, someone else who sins, I consider that sin something I wouldn't do. Therefore, it's evil. If I won't do it because I think it's ugly and vile, but you will, now you're more evil to me. That's the way we operate. I'll commit sin up to right here. And you see, I think that your sin was over here. Therefore, how can you call yourself a Christian? Your sin is way more vile than what I would be okay with. And, I, and we judge. That's what we do. That's what we do. If I wouldn't commit the act... Because I think it's too much, but you will. You're evil in my sight. That's an ugly word, huh? That's the way a lot of us think, quietly. From our seat. Judging. Judging what's going on around us. And why? Because we're educated in God's word. We've spent time studying God's word. And we've purposed ourselves to live, breathe, act, And say certain things. Sin is sin. So. Where are you going with this, Chris? Where are you going with this? I'm going to a place where I'm going to say Jesus came on the scene. He gave a different vibe. He introduced the people to who God really was. He introduced the people to the kind of relationships God wanted to have. Do you remember when he got here and he went to the temple and he met the leaders and he said, you're going to be my people. I'm going to raise you up and you're going to start my church, right? Right? Wrong? He didn't go to those people that were so educated and knew everything about God's word and grew up in the temple and and said their prayers and paid their tithes and, and gave, and they, when they gave their offerings on time, and they made sure they had less than eight sins a day. He didn't pick those people, did he? He picked the smelly fishermen, the liars, the tax collectors, guys like Chris. 
God showed us who he loves everybody, who he wants to save, and who he enjoys the company of. You want to know what he enjoys the company of? Real people. Not fake people. What's the most famous verse in the Bible? You got it. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know who he told that to? Who said it? She's not cheating, but she's right. It's in, her, it's in your notes, obviously, for the day. Nicodemus. The most famous quote in the Bible Jesus made to Nicodemus. We're going to take a look at Nicodemus today. Today we're going to start a journey in the New Testament. We're going to take a look at a New Testament believer. We're going to take a look at who God wants us to be. We're going to make our way through some of Paul's letters. We're going, to, we're going to make our way through this New Testament and take a look at who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. Because we're going to be that church, right? Didn't I tell you we're going to be that church? Well, we can't be that church unless we learn how to live like New Testament believers and stop thinking about how to act, breathe, live, speak a certain way. And you start really letting Christ into your life. And when you're full of Jesus, you don't become sinless. You sin. There you go. You guys are learning. So we're going to start by looking at Nicodemus today. I really like this story. He was a religious leader during the time of Jesus. He was well educated in God's word. He knew the, the scripture that they had available at the hand front to back. Front to back, back to front, left to right. He was one of those guys who could quote you what page it was on. Okay? He knew what God wanted. He knew God's rules. He knew God's wrath. He knew God. He knew him. Top of the food chain. Spiritual leader of the world at the time. Okay? He was well-educated. He was very good at making sure he and his family looked of high godly standards, like I talked about earlier. Really good at that, I'm certain. He followed the law to a T. They didn't just have Ten Commandments, man. There's hundreds of them. Read the rest of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. It just doesn't stop. The laws, the rules, the regulations. And he knew them all. He lived a life of rules that were not meant to be broken. He lived a life of rules. Is anybody in this room living a life of rules of what you learned in the church today? Come on now. We come to church because this is one of the rules. Thank you, Elena. She's always got the right answer up here. You guys should come sit by her. He lived a life of rules that were not meant to be broken but could never be kept. Right? That's where all mankind found itself. That's where all mankind finds itself. 
Nicodemus had three encounters with Jesus. Three. We're going to read about them today. John 3, 1. Now I got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm going to have us done by 11. So I'm going to speed read. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, you know I do this to you guys. Key words. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Most educated man in God's word said these famous words. What do you mean? What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Most educated man, how are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish leader, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But, however, the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So that everyone... Who believes in him will have eternal life. Most famous verse in the Bible. For this is how God loved the world. Nicodemus. God sent his son into the world. Not to judge the world. But to save the world through him. Oh. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish. But have eternal life. God sent his son into the world. Not to judge the world. Yet we judge ourselves and the world every day. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. There's that word. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. 
But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. The closer you get to God, the brighter you're going to shine and the less you're going to sin. That's the first encounter. Quietly, secret, at night, dark, quiet, private, don't want anybody to know I'm here talking to you. I'm going to say that we all know that you're here, but really I'm just saying I know that you're here. You see that? He tried to sell him. Anybody here work in sales? That's what we do. Jesus, let me tell you something fantastic about you. That's what he did. Rabbi, we know that you've been sent by God. Let's read this next encounter, John 7. So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, Why didn't you bring him in? Their answer, we have never heard anyone speak like this. The guards responded, Have you been led astray too? This is the Pharisees. This is the group of people that Nicodemus is tied in with. You got it? Have you been led astray too, the Pharisee mocked? Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believe in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. These guys had to live by that law. By the law, by the rules, by the regulations. This is how they lived. And that blinded them. I love that he says here, is there a single one of us rulers who believe in him? I like this part, next part. Then Nicodemus, the guy we talked about who met privately with Jesus, it says, then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? He asked. I love their response. Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet has ever come from Galilee. You know what Nicodemus did there? He defended Jesus in a shrewd way. You ever do things that's shrewd? You say things in a way that can't be twisted back on you? You know how to say it just right? You're a great chess player, master manipulator, smooth talker. That's what he did there. He used the law against them to question what they were trying to do. Now let's look at the third encounter, the final encounter that Nicodemus has with Jesus. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. It's funny we read scripture and just skip through this stuff. I point this out to you almost weekly. With him came Nicodemus. Third encounter. The man who had come to Jesus at night. I like that they use that phrase there. Not the man who had come to Jesus and spoke with him. Not the man who had defended Jesus 
previously in the court. No, the man who had come to Jesus at night. The man who secretly met with Jesus. Because back then, nighttime was secret time. They didn't have lights. They didn't have city lights. They had low-lit fires. And nighttime, you pretty much stayed inside. So to meet at night was in secret. So with him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial customs, they, they, not Joseph, not only Nicodemus, they, including Nicodemus, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of cloth, of linen cloth. Now, three encounters Nicodemus had with Jesus. Hopefully the same three encounters we all have with Jesus. Am I an Old Testament Christian? Or am I a New Testament Christian? Am I living by the law? Am I living by the rules? Am I living by the standards set forth by the man that sits in that chair over there? Or am I living by the Spirit? Who was Nicodemus? Who was Nicodemus? He was a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was the cream of the crop. He was high-level Congress. He was in Washington, D.C., making decisions that are way above your head. Because at that time, politics and law and religion were all the same. In the United States, we like to try to separate that. But back then, in Jewish law, the Jewish law was God's law. The court and religion were one. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish Jewish ruling council. What made his story special? What made his story special? Nicodemus was the only member of the Pharisees that Scripture depicts as believing in Jesus. He was the only one. One man out. Wide is the road and narrow is the gate. One man. One man. Nicodemus met with Jesus secretly at night. That's your first bullet point there that I pointed out in story one. Nicodemus met with Jesus secretly at night. I think that's really key. The scripture said there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee after dark one evening. You remember I told you that. I'm going to skip those verses probably just to move along. Two, Nicodemus questions the Pharisees' actions against Jesus. Remember this part of his story. First, he comes secretly to talk to Jesus at night because he knew there was something special about what Jesus had. He showed up at church one Sunday and knew there was something special about that place. And he secretly came off to the side and said, Pastor Chris, can I get your number and give you a call this week? I've had that happen. That's what happened in Nicodemus' story. Two, Nicodemus questions the Pharisees' actions against Jesus. You ever been in those situations where people just start bashing the church or something and you just kind of throw out one of your slippy little like, well, I think some of the church people are nice. You didn't sit there and say you were one of them. 
You didn't say you were one of us. Oh, man, I think everybody in the room identifies with that. You're in a situation, and people start bashing the church or Christians, and you're like, I have some friends that are actually really nice. You know, we've been to church a few times. Next subject. No spine. Dang, that hurt. Nicodemus questions the Pharisees' actions against Jesus. I like that. That took bravery right there. And you saw their response to him. Search the scriptures yourself. Are you from Galilee too? I think we all know in 2023 what that sounded like from your neighbor or your friend or your spouse or your buddy or whoever. They didn't say, are you from Galilee too? Let's go number three. Nicodemus' third encounter. Nicodemus helps take down Jesus, helps take Jesus down from the cross and bury him. That is the point where Nicodemus said, this is what I believe. This guy that you killed and crucified, I'm going to help take him down and I'm going to help bury him. And what happened here is wrong and I believe he is who he said he was. We don't really hear anything about Nicodemus after this. But Nicodemus made a bold statement. You want to know what he did there in that moment? He made a public confession that he believed who Jesus was. Because no other Pharisees were going to help take down the crucified body of the guy who called himself a prophet. Okay? You see that? Each time Nicodemus encounters Jesus, he became bolder and bolder for Christ. Do you get it? Do you see that? That's what happened in the story. First, it was a secret, quiet. I don't know. I don't want anybody to judge me. I don't want anybody to know I'm up here singing. I don't want, I don't want anybody looking at me. I don't want anybody to know that I know that, I, that I'm kind of checking this out. Right? Second encounter, the defense one. Oh, I got some Christian friends. They're not bad. Third encounter, you're coming to church every Sunday, holding your hands up, singing and praising, and when somebody tells you something's going on in their life, you pray with them right there on the spot, and you finish the prayer in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay, you see the phases here? Nicodemus, each time he encountered him, he became bolder and bolder for Christ. His first encounter was in secret. His second encounter was a defense. In his third encounter, he was no longer intimidated by his peers. Where are you at? Where are you at? Nicodemus first appears in the Bible in John chapter 3. And the most famous scripture, his most famous quote in the Bible is quoted to him. He desires to know more about Jesus and his teachings. Is that you today? Do you want to know more about Jesus and his teachings? As an introduction or sales tactic, sales tactic as I call it, he kind of pumped him up. Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. We know you're awesome. Dude, God is with you. What did Jesus do? He ignored the compliment. See, God doesn't want fake. 
He ignored the compliment and immediately shifted the focus from himself back to Nicodemus and Nicodemus's spiritual condition. No man can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again, Nicodemus. Rabbi, you're such a great teacher. We know God's saying it. Yeah, yeah. No one can go to heaven unless they're born again. That's what he did. He shut him up. Thanks for the compliment. Let's move past that. That's not what's important here. What's important here is that you're meeting me at night in secret, and let's talk about the truth. That's what Jesus does with us. He doesn't want us to be fake. I like Jesus with a tender nudge many times asked Nicodemus, how can a teacher not understand these things? How can you, you sat in church your whole life, how do, how do you not get it? Why are you still trying to live by standards set by men? Laws, rules, and regulations that you'll never keep. You're always going to fall short. But if you're born again of water and spirit, you're going to sin less. And people are going to be attracted to your light. Jesus changed the topic on him again to Moses, right? Set the stage for the most famous verse in history. Second encounter, although Nicodemus does resignation in Jesus' defense, he's not yet openly ready to really be a follower. He wasn't ready to be a follower. He was only there to defend, quietly. The defense is a secret move. I'm still in secret. Right? In his third appearance, his third encounter, he's ready to be a full-fledged believer and follower. And he takes Jesus down, and he helps jo Joseph of Arimathea, and they wrap his body, and he puts him in the tomb. He was with it. He made a public declaration of his faith that day in front of all his peers, in front of the Jewish court and the Roman court, because it was Pilate that they asked to remove the body, yes? Okay. Nicodemus was no longer acting in secret. He was finally fully supporting Jesus and his cause. Is that where you're at? As you consider this story of Nicodemus, where do you see yourselves, church? Where do you see yourselves? Where? Are you a private truth seeker? Undercover in the shadows? Want to know about Jesus, but don't want anybody else to know that you want to know about Jesus? That's usually when we're really young. Teenage years. I identify, I remember. We really want to know Jesus, but we don't want anybody else to know that we want to know about Jesus. Right? Or are you one who wants to know more about Jesus and his truth? Are you a truth seeker in the darkness, in the quiet, in the secret of the night? Or do you want to know in the open truth? Are you wanting to know more about salvation, heaven, and being born again? Jesus will tell you, just like he told Nicodemus in his first encounter. Rabbi, you're such a great teacher. Great, got, got it. You can't go to heaven unless you're born again. Whoa, wait, what does that mean? It means you need to be born again of water and spirit. I don't get it. How do I go back into my womb? Stop asking stupid questions. I said you need to be born again of water and spirit. Everything you're doing is wrong. God so loved the world he gave me so that everyone who believes in me won't perish. In his third encounter, he believed. Are you a leader in your circle of influence? Are you? Are you a leader in your circle of influence and you only verbally and timidly speak regarding spiritual matters? Is that you? A, a leader 
in your little circle. Are you? I know I am. I'm one of those people. When I hang out with people, like the group just, Chris, Chris, ask questions. I'm, I don't want that. It just happens. Are you a leader in your circle of influence? So are you speaking timidly about spiritual matters or are you speaking boldly? Which one are you? As you continue your journey with Christ, all of you, I'm going to pray that you make him Lord and Savior of your life. I'm going to pray that your third encounter Nicodemus. Amen? Uh, lower the lights, guys. All eyes closed, heads bowed. Father, I just, I'm grateful today, Lord. Today is a special day. Today is a very special day, Lord, as you know, for me and our family. And uh, it's Father's Day, Lord, and we lift you up because you're the greatest father of all. And Father, every person in this room is your child. Whether they know you as father or not, whether they know you as king and coming, coming king and savior or not, whether they know you that you're the great healer, the great physician, and whether they know that you want to have a relationship with them, Lord, let them know that today. If there's anybody in this room that wants to rededicate their life or come to know more about Jesus and you want to publicly in this room, put your hand up and say, I want to know more about Jesus. No one's looking but me. And you can put your hand up and I will see that hand and I will pray for you. Amen. Amen. I see some hands. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for these hands that have gone up. Lord, you've seen these hands. I've seen these hands. These hands made a public declaration and statement, Lord, of faith that they want to know you. They want to come closer to you. They want to make you Lord and Savior of their life. Everywhere they go, they want to shine with your light just shining out of them and bringing people near them, Lord. I lift them up to you right now. I lift those hands up to you. You know who they are. I know who they are. They publicly made that confession, Lord. I pray for them in Jesus' name that you lift them up and that you be their Lord and Savior, Lord. Lord, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. I thank you for this church family. I thank you this week, Lord, that we all be safe in our travels, our work, our lives, and whatever's going on, Lord. Show us your presence all this week, Lord, and bring us back next Sunday safe and secure, ready to be fed your word again, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. amen. 11.02, not bad. Okay. Uh, there's leftovers for anybody who still wants to eat. <laughs>